Episode of Money Lab. I'm your host, Matt Butt Soup Givenisi, and today we're talking about questions. Five of them <laughs> to be exact. Actually, eight of them. Joining me is the founder of ListenMoneyMatters.com and the co host of the Listen Money Matters podcast with some other really sexy individual, <laughs> Andrew Febert. Hey, man, how's business, man? What's up? Today What's up? is potentially our last day of recording <laughs> for October, so I am sure is. uniquely motivated. There you go. There you go. Speaking of motivation, you said before we jumped on the show that you some found some so like new productivity thing. Mm. No, am I am I wrong? A new oh oh no. I feel like I have personally like gotten back to. I feel like my heyday where I was like getting shit done, like actually why, crushing. Why do you think that is? Like why this week or last week? So um, I realized that I had forgotten what like I had to get back to the basics and it is just to to harken back to the phrase that, that actually your dad should take all the credit for how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time mm-hmm. and it wound up my, my to-do list had slowly become big items yeah. that were never completable in a reasonable amount of time. And once I just diced it up into little tiny baby pieces, and then I was just like, oh my God, I got like five things done today. Cause yeah. Whereas like two weeks ago, that would have maybe been one thing, you maybe know? Not. Right. But it's, it's about like making forward progress. And for me, I need to like give myself credit for that progress. And so when I feel like I've made progress, then I make more and, that was like my thing. That's really interesting. So I have, so I've been working on um, developing a course, a video course for Swim University that will be in uh, an upsell to my book, and I've kind of been stressed out about like what it's going to take to get done. I mean, I it's a lot of videos, a lot of content. It's you know, it's stuff that I'm not really interested in any, anymore. But what I did was, uh, using Asana, I created a project called Pool Video Course. And I literally took the title of every video. There's 31 videos. And I broke it down into sections. So I have editing. or So I had filming. So you have to film the, I have to film myself doing the course content. Mm. Um, then I have editing it. Then I have uploading it. And then I have creating the actual lesson in WordPress or whatever, you know, software or whatever. Uh, and so what I did was I created this whole project and I have a section called editing. And then I listed every single video and put the word edit in front of it. So it says edit how to operate and prime your pool pump. Edit how to operate and clean your sand filter. Edit how to operate and clean your DE filter. And I have like – so that's basically 31 tasks times four so there's like 90 or 100 some something tasks in this one project yeah but okay what do i have to do i have to right now my next task is edit how to operate and prime your pool pump so when i edit it when i finish editing it and exporting it i hit i'm done and then i go down to the next thing and it says upload that and i i check these boxes off so yesterday i was able to get five videos edit it and upload it which feels 
Like in the grand scheme of things, I still have a lot of work ahead of me. But like as of yesterday, I checked a lot of boxes. You got to do like less thinking and more yeah. doing. Like upload. More doing. It's it's not that. Uh, oh well, now, like now you got credit for uploading, but you didn't have to think that you had to upload it. Right. Or remember that. It is important to break down the entire project into small micro tasks up front, like doing all of that planning up front. Mm. So that way you can just check boxes. Like the Asana timeline feature, I, I completely attribute with like unfucking my development process and like me coding again. Like now wow. that I can like see it like happening and it just, I get you really probably excited. probably get shit done faster too. Yeah. Well, because yeah. now I'm trying to beat arbitrary dates that I said. Right, right. Uh, yeah, so got to love it. Uh, I want to thank our sponsor. Money Lab Pro. You've been asking for it, and I finally made it. Money Lab Pro is a membership where you can access every single one of my online business courses and chat with me and other like-minded business owners in the members-only Money Lab Pro community. You'll also get access to my SEO, monetization, and blogging video courses, my YouTube and podcast video tutorials, my lightning fast WordPress theme, and so much more. I did the math, and Money Lab Pro includes over 155 over-the-shoulder video lessons and growing. Not to mention, it includes access to templates, processes, and spreadsheets that I use to run all my online businesses. And like I mentioned before, Money Lab Pro also includes a members-only community where you can share your ideas and get expert feedback to help you earn more money with your online business. Go to moneylab.co slash pro right now to sign up. It's super affordable and there's no reason not to check it out. That's moneylab.co slash pro. All right, let's get to questions. What do you think? I'm stoked. Let's do it. All right. You like this. I love this. This yeah. is so easy. I, I love five questions because ah, it's just fun answering questions. It really yeah. is. So this first one comes from Franklin Roth, and this is, I think, more for you, but mm. I guess I could answer it too. What are your favorite tech stacks to develop in? Do, do you want me to lead? Well, well, first of all, I don't think I fully under, understand what a tech stack is, so maybe by answering the question... I'll sure. So, okay. So a tech stack is like all the components. So if like you were to um, ask what was the tech stack behind Listen Money Matters, I'd say like WP Engine, WordPress, databases, MySQL, you know, we use Cloudflare for our DNS, da, 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 you know, it's like all the pieces in the uh, stack. Okay. Got it. But I don't think that he's talking about WordPress. I think he's talking nope. about like coding. Yeah. Um, so not to be the most obvious, non-helpful answer ever, but AWS from Amazon is amazing. Mm -hmm. And and there's this thing called Lambda, which is you don't need to have a server. It is, it's called FAS, F-A-A-S, or Function mm -hmm. as a Service. Their mm -hmm. free tier gives you an insane amount of free uses. And basically you write a single function that will... Spin up dynamically a server, super fast, you can't even see it, do this one thing and complete. So you don't have to manage updating and all, you know, like patching servers and stuff. So it's awesome. However, if you are a single person team, I think that there is no better stack to just get started on than Heroku. Mm -hmm. um, it is shamefully easy. You don't have to like do anything. And it is more expensive than AWS, so you may grow out of it into AWS, but I think it's like a great place to start. Yeah. 
So that's what you. And then, is there any other pieces to that? Uh, you're on Python. Yeah. So, so Python. We use uh, Python. Um, Flask is like uh, the visual end of Python. It's like um, or, or an add-on component. It's like templated and stuff like that. We use a Postgres database. Mm-hmm. We use Redis, which is like an in-memory database to store session details mm-hmm. when you log in. It's better than a cookie. Um, and yeah, that, that's you- kind of an Auth0. Auth0 for login. So you don't have to like create. You could have an amazing login thing, not worry about security. And you use Coda 2 for actually typing in code. Yes. Even if it's not, you know. Is that for, part of a stack? Yeah. I mean, I think, I guess not. I mean, no, but okay. <laughs> I, right. it's a cool. And uh, obviously GitHub. I mean, I couldn't, I'd die without GitHub. Okay. So I, I was guess down I talk- the other day. And was it? Yeah. And like, I could, I like couldn't get shit done. And my developers like didn't really get a lot of shit done. Kind of nah, sucks. sucks, dude. Yeah. Uh, I, used in the past when i did spruce i used heroku as my hosting company mm. right is that right they're they're pass platform as a service got it okay uh i used Postgres as my database mm-hmm. ruby on rails as the framework for ruby mm-hmm. and what else do i need in that stack what i'm that, I th- that you think i might be missing um and you used Ruby to go and grab from the APIs, I'm guessing. Uh-huh. Did you use anything to schedule these pulls? Nope. So just when they logged in, it would just update or whatever? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think I think that's the stack. Okay, yeah. And then for WordPress, I just use uh, WP Engine, WordPress. I, I code in Coda from scratch, mm. right? Same, I think it's the same for you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, all right. Cool. Easy question. <laughs> a little technical. Uh, so thank you, Franklin. Appreciate that. Question number two comes from April Castro. Uh, I was wondering if I could create an epic post on a particular topic. Could a question type cousin keyword? That's the as, question type cousin keywords. And I, I think like, what she means are related keywords. A related keyword that would be in the form of a question. Mm. Uh, used as H3 headings, could could they rank individually for a snippet, a Google snippet? She says, I have a cat site, and I wanted to cover cats in heat. Yes. Yeah, are you from? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you have a cat. I do not. There are a bunch of long-tail question-type keywords with high traffic potential. I'd rather cover all of these questions and topics as subheadings together in one post versus separate posts but I also want the snippet. So that's the question. Mm -hmm. And I says, would G go through? Oh, so G is Google, right? I got it. That's how Google on the street, they just call it G. Sometimes people call me G. So G unit is a specific group in Google. Ah, (laughs) so would, would Google go through my Epic post, find the questions I answered to show in the snippet? Now, I'm assuming she means the snippet, Rich like at snippet the t- at the top, like the, the Google's top. like quote unquote answer. Yeah. So I would say absolutely. This is exactly what we do at Listen Money Matters. It mm-hmm. works great. And uh, there was one thing you you didn't read. It was like a parenthesis, and she said use used as H3 headings. Right. I, so taking taking cousin keywords or or questions. As he- as subheadings in a post, so in, like taking your big cousin keywords 
Yeah. I would say um, those should be H2. Uh, yes, if I you agree. wanted to do anything meaningful, we're actually trying to move away from H3. We feel like uh, it's it's breaking the content up a bit much and, and like readability wise, like people are, are not doing as great. Oh, on, that's really interesting. Yeah. Like I, I think that we we over we were over structuring, but um, hmm. we we literally do that. We look at, at the bottom of a Google search, all of those recommended things when it says, yeah. You know, questions people also ask, we expand them like crazy, uh-huh. you know, collate them and pick ones we think are useful. I think it's exactly how you should approach it. Yeah. I think the other thing, too, is um, I, I know that you want that snippet. Hmm. And I know that you're going after these cousin keywords. But my argument with my, my, my general uh, stance on SEO in this particular uh, field that she's talking about is that if you're going after cats in heat, which is probably a massive keyword, mm. right? And there's a bunch of like long tail keywords. They have to be related. Sh- they have to be related. Mm. You should absolutely add them to your post. But my guess is that just because you, like if you can rank for cats in heat, you will probably rank for like every other cousin keyword, with, even if you don't even add them to your page. All the deviations of, uh, absolutely. Misspellings. Yeah, I think you won't have to misspell right. anything to rank for misspellings. I think um, a lot of people, and I think, so the, to answer the question, yes. I think you should do epic style posts. I think that's where Google is basically going. Mm. Um, it, it, it going and will continue. I mean, like, Google just wants to make the internet better. So if you write better shit that's more comprehensive, like it's better for the reader because they don't have to go to a million different fucking websites to get their answer. Uh, and you're going to rank because it's just a better website. You're just going to have better information. So- and that's I, I just think that you, like those cousin keywords are, yeah, worth putting in your post, but I would just worry about ranking for the big one because mm. – you're, you might rank for shit that you never even thought you could rank for or didn't do the research on that may have even more than than the sub keywords. Two interesting things on rich snippets. One, yeah. there's a ton of research out there that shows that once you get the rich snippet, it is generally pretty sticky. And mm-hmm. so sites may move up and down in Google's rankings, but the rich snippet stays the same. So super awesome to win. Yeah. And, and two, um, if you like attempt to answer the question in a really tight fashion in like one paragraph as opposed to drawing all the information out across the article, you're more likely to get the snippet. So if someone wants yep. to know, you know, the distance from Earth to the moon and they ask that, if you have everything needed in like two to three sentences, yeah, like you're gonna get it as opposed to if you have those two to three sentences across yeah, I mean that's and that's basically like a rich snippet is every piece of content that you write should be an epic post filled with rich snippets. Yes, right of like like so that if, as you're reading it, that's you're a like, really good way to look at it. Right? Oh, yeah, it's like as you're reading it, you're like, oh my god, every single paragraph or every single sentence is fucking gold. <laughs> like it's not a fluffy sentence leading into another thing or whatever. Mm. Like every sentence is gold, is well crafted, is is entertaining. I think it's all important. All this is going to get, it's going to get, I think it's going to get harder and harder for. It's already insanely competitive. It is, but I think it's going to get harder and harder as like Google starts moving into more, like as their algorithms start uh, 
grading on grading tastes. Mm. Like they start like getting tasteful, which yeah. I think you can pretty much assume Google's there now. So we you know, tasteful conversation on that. I know. I, I you I, actually convinced me. I because you were like, well, I mean, this. I mean, think about how much money they make. Honestly, how could they not? Right. They they know they know how they know a website. They they judge the whole thing. Mm. And yeah, if you're putting together content that is just like tight, good, uh again, every sentence, well crafted individual sentences, I, I think you gotta give a fuck. You gotta give a fuck. Yeah. Uh you're you're writing like meaningful things now. And it's not just like how many words you can throw on a page anymore. Yeah, I, it's just I think it's over. Those days, those days were short lived, man. Like Watching when they the were sites like, that do that fall. Like yep. Like when you when you see a, a site that's like, oh, it's got four thousand words, five thousand words. It's like, okay, well, how, I bet you you know four thousand of those word words are unnecessary. You know, to get the to get the point across. We were doing a comparison last week of a few keywords when we were just kind of having this conversation, and we noticed that. The like in the terms that we were looking at that we were ranking for, we didn't even have close to the largest articles. Yeah. Um. And based on arbitrary things that we were running, like we weren't even the most comprehensive articles mm-hmm. that were mm-hmm. ranking, and we yep. we certainly didn't have the most links or referring domains. Yep. And we just, and I had I mean like there are examples uh, that there are examples from Brew Cabin where I'm ranking for things and it kind of goes against every single metric that you could possibly rank a, a term for. You're like, how the hell are you ranking? Your domain rating is one. You have zero backlinks to that page. Mm. Like, how are you ranking? Well, I was, you have less words than everyone else. I, I would go so far to say, I don't think there is a single meaningful term that Listen Money Matters ranks for that we beat anyone with backlinks on. Like nope. we just have, we have not built any backlinks. We've never focused on it. And so anything that we rank high, if you look at it, it's like, which one of these don't belong? And it's us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So April, I hope that answers your question. I know we kind of went a little bit further with it, but I think the answer to your question is yes. See, <laughs> <laughs> we believe that if you, uh, if you try to make one epic post, you will rank for individual snippets. Mm. And who knows how long those snippets last in Google, you know? Yeah, that's true. Uh, question number three comes from my buddy Jason Moore. Uh, he said, hey, bud, I think it would be cool to do something around the best way to save for travel because so many people are into that. I don't really have a question about it, but I thought it would be a cool topic. And So just no and then moving on? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think um, the best way to save for travel is really the, the question like, what's the best way to save for travel? Right. Now, you travel more than I do. Mm. So, what do you think the best way to save is? And I have so, my way. Okay. Now, to frame it, is the best way to save money so that you can travel, or is the best way to save on travel? I believe he's saying the best way to save money to travel. Mm. So, I think uh, creating like funds mm-hmm. is a really cool idea. So if you want to take a trip, you know, maybe it's $2,000, save 100 a month or whatever works, uh, and just track that number. Um, and if the cost goes up, 
then you just have to wait a few more months or you have to compromise. Like it's easy to just say, I have $10,000, move all $10,000 into the fund, but I can afford the trip. I I think that uh, dilutes the fact that you should be spending less on other things so that you could afford the trip. So um, I think the best way is to compromise in the months leading up, eat out less, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, so so basically save like sacrifice the months leading up to it on things that maybe are not that valuable or things that you're spending money on. You're like, ah, eh, we don't yeah. think we need this. I'd rather I'd rather go here than you know buy this thing or. or and if you're gonna go this. eat out when you're on vacation, well then just move your eating out spending from last right. month to in the future. Yeah, and then make cook at home. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I. I so I don't travel. I just don't save for traveling. But, to be but I mean, you do. You do travel. I, I do travel. And here's how I save for it. <laughs> I don't travel. But you're right. I do travel. So. Well, here's how I do it. Uh, I got really good at credit cards. Mm. I decided that I did not want to be in credit card debt anymore and that I didn't want to have a shitty credit rating at like 500 something, 575 or 550 at my lowest. So I learned. Uh, well, one, I, I employed the debt. Avalanche method, right? That that right? Is that the so, one where you? Yeah. So snowball is uh, the one. So there's is avalanche. No, so, I'm sorry. St- avalanche. You have me confused. Stacking and snowball. Yeah. Wait. What's the one that's Dave Ramsey's? Um, I think. Oh no, you're right. That's snowball. Yeah. That's, yeah. I don't. It's not that one. It's so, so stacking is where you put them in order. Yeah, so I, I, what I did was I, and this is kind of a little off topic, but hear me out for a second. I took all of my credit cards that I had, um, that I had balances on, and I ordered them on a whiteboard from the one with the highest interest rate to the one to the lowest interest rate. And I paid off the highest interest rate credit card first. So I took all of the other ones that were below it. There was about six total, I think. Um, I put, I just, I, Automatic minimum payments on the, the bottom five, and then took all of my ex- extra money and put it towards the top one until it was completely paid off. And that one had a, a pretty high balance and a high interest rate, but like you got to get the high interest runs paid off first, mm. and then you and then you knock them down and you do, do each one. So then the next credit card, you know, take that one, uh, put all my money towards that, and then the minimum payments on the bottom four, and so on and so forth to the to the to the point where I paid off my credit cards. Mm, math. Yeah, math is great. Um, <laughs> built up my credit. So now I'm sitting at around 830, I think, or some shit like that. Damn. And Got to get some I, mortgages before it's too late, man. Huh? You got to get some mortgages before it's too late. I know, right? Uh, shit. Yeah, you're right. Uh, but I have basically have not used a debit card in the last five or six years. Nice. I have done... I've paid everything with a credit card, and at the end of the month, I pay off that credit card completely. And what that allows me to do is save up points so that I can travel. Mm. Because it's basically like anytime I've, I've said on other shows, like I haven't, I haven't paid for a flight in, I don't know, three or four years or some shit like that. Because I just wait until I have enough points, and then I use that to travel, to fly use it for hotels, use it for rental cars. Um, and I put all my business expenses on a credit card. Again, you have to pay them off every month or this is all pointless. Literally pointless. So. <laughs> uh, nice. I will. <laughs> Did you write that down? <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> nope. 
Nope. <laughs> mm. So that's my way of saving for traveling. I, I know it's it's a little. It's not technically saving, but it is kind of. Mm. Yeah, you're funneling your rewards towards that, and then because yeah. it's funny, you say you don't travel, but I think you travel quite a bit. But I guess well, I don't when travel it's free. For... You don't travel internationally, but it doesn't mean you're not like on a plane. Well, I don't travel to go on vacation mm-hmm. so much. Like if I'm traveling, I'm going, you know, back to Philly to visit family, or I go to Portland kind of for vacation. I guess mm. it's like kind of like business vacation sort of hybrid. Um, and I do travel to like the mountains and shit. So, but I don't really save for that. It just kind of happens. So yeah, you yeah. So you do have funds, or you just like. So so we try and uh, plan for it in advance. Like mm. usually we go away around November, and so we we have like certain expectations, and yeah. Okay. Speaking of traveling, I want to thank Jason Moore of ZeroToTravel dot com for that question. Thank you, Jason. See you soon. Uh, and speaking of traveling, I want to get to question number four from Brant Reader, who says, what, if any, live events slash conferences will you be going to in 2019? Such an easy list. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. The answer to your question is no. Uh, yeah. Mine is, uh, mine is none. <laughs> uh, I will be... I like so this year I did not attend I, I did sorry this year the only conference that I attended was the homebrewers conference in Portland and I and I uh as much as I think that that conference would be awesome if I had friends to attend it with uh I will not be going next year it's in New Hampshire or, or not New Hampshire it's in uh, Rhode Island next year mm. and uh I I don't know I have no interest in going to Rhode Island uh, also, I have no friends to go with, so I'm not going to that one. I am also probably not going to go to any conferences in 2019 because I didn't go to any this year, and I didn't really feel it. Besides, I did go to Portland during WDS, and I was obviously there for a conference, and that's fun, and I'll probably go back around the same time that World Domination Summit is happening in Portland because I do it. I've done it for the last four years, but I will not be attending it, so... We might do FinCon. We we yeah. didn't this year, and uh, first of all, stress levels were great because mm-hmm. you get all like in a tizzy when you're there, and er- everyone who reaches out and they usually try and like set meetings. They're like, "Are you going to FinCon?" I was like, "No," and then yeah, we just closed the deal via email, which is great. Yeah, I think if anything in 2019, what I'd like to do is throw my own events, and I don't mean like. A conference i mean like four or five people in a house in the mountains money like, lab con yeah like just talking talking biz drinking beers that kind of thing snowboarding i mean i plan on doing that just kind of more privately like a master mastermind yeah but like not you know yeah. like just hanging out you could talk about business not formal it's not structured yeah, yeah. um i don't i don't I just don't think I need it. Like, mm. I, not to, not to, I'm not bragging or anything. Like, I just think that those things are, they can be distracting. They can be like, you can go to that and have a billion ideas, mm. and then you come back and you execute on these like little things that are kind of meaningless or, or end up being meaningless. I I'm not saying crazed. that they're bad. They, they make me crazed. Uh, I, yeah, I think you just need like, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I don't want to talk the shit. The drinking on them. parts are fun. 
know? that, that's why I love them. I yeah. love people. I like hanging out with fucking cool people. Uh, I, I, I don't, I've, I think I've gone to enough events now where I've, I've kind of chosen my little group mm-hmm. and, uh, I could just hang out with them when I want to. So I think I want to do that. Instead. I think the thing is, it doesn't just cost the price of the ticket, which generally is like stupidly high. Yeah. It's the airfare and the hotel and you're eating out everywhere and your bar bills are bigger than they've ever been. You know, right. just a lot. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot of money. Yeah. So, 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 uh, yeah, none, I guess is the answer. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's not a fun answer, but it's, it is none. Um, so thank you, Brant. Appreciate it. Uh, and then question number five is actually three different questions that are all really about the same topic and a topic that we've already discussed. But let's maybe get a little bit more in the weeds here. So do you want to read one, touch upon it quickly, read another like that? Or well, maybe we'll okay. see. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna try Reinhardt, mm-hmm. right? I think so. Baclasso. Yeah, I'm gonna go with. I would have said okay. Back also, but yeah, back also. <laughs> I don't know. No, I don't mean to. Yeah. Uh, so they asked, "How do you screen, hire, and train people from scratch for your business?" So I think we we did a pretty solid job in the other episode. Um, yeah. Uh, I think it is uh, this Google Forms thing that we had mentioned. I yeah. think. Uh, maybe just deserves a little bit of love in that yeah. um i i think the success or failure of the the process lives and dies by the questions you ask in a google form in an application process yeah like it weeds out it definitely is a, it's a way to screen like so, yeah. you shouldn't need to ask anything else other than what's in the form only follow up on what's there mm-hmm. and if you feel like you don't have all the information after they've submitted it, like you, it's kind of a missed opportunity, I think. Yeah. Uh, so we, I, yeah. So I screen people through, yeah, a Google form that basically asks uh, really tough questions about their tastes. Uh, and not, I shouldn't say tough. They're they're not tough. They're not like weird Google questions. Where it it's should like, be easy for the right person. It should be easy for them to answer. Uh, and I'm looking. I'm looking for people who share my values when it comes to business and the and the task at hand. Um, when I find those people, I hire them by jumping on Skype, and I I hire them in person, and I train them using Slack and Asana to kind of like you know Slack for real time. If they have questions, I just kind of like handhold them. Uh, and everything that we decide, we throw down in a Google Doc as the process and refine that. So. Uh, that's how I do it personally. I think that's that's good. Um, Michael Hingston asked, "I'd like to learn about how to set up systems to outsourcing for outsourcing help and how to find good help, ideally from overseas." So I believe um, th- that's a interesting question. I, I'm I'm assuming overseas in this case means like. India, Vietnam, like places where they have large groups of people who are doing uh, virtual assistant type work or uh, and that because it's because it, it tends to be less expensive can, for can people I in suggest yeah. something. Yes. So I've I've worked I, I feel like with a lot of people overseas. I know yeah. I know you have as well. Uh, not really. Just one. OK, so, so fine. So and maybe, maybe that's why it has really worked for you. Um, mm-hmm. The problem 
is you're not there. You can't show up at their desk. Uh, it's often delayed by many, many hours. Yeah. And I know a lot of people push these things, and I was always resistant to it, but I think you should go with an agency or something that will manage the people portion of it so you could yeah. focus on the work. I have over and over failed attempting to do all that myself, feeling that I could, whereas if I pay a little overhead and it's essentially through a team, when I bring new people on, they could sit next to each other. Yeah. The, the payroll taxes, all the bullshit of whatever. Take care of. Yeah, it, it really uh, removes a lot of areas of failure. It's a good, yeah, I, I, yeah, I've never used that service before. I was I, told I should. I know there are a lot of like VA finder esque yeah. things. Um, I, I have only developers in in Asia, but I think regardless of the task, I think it would be a good. Yeah, that's thing. a good. That's a good advice. I for me, it's setting up the system. I think is you have to set up the system for yourself. You mm. have to you have to do it to to the point where it's mindless for you, even you, and you don't have to think about any action that you need to take, and then that's when you can hire. Yeah, because other than that, if you if it were, I, I feel like if you're doing overseas help uh, and you're trying to save money, which is probably why you're going overseas, I'm assuming in this in this question, then uh, you need to you can't do you can't leave anything ambiguous. You can't leave anything up to critical thinking skills. You're, you're basically hiring people to do exactly what you tell them to do. So every single step needs to be processed out. T- two things on that one. Um, I don't know. I mean, obviously you're going overseas to save money, but I feel like you can get the same quality work for like a third the cost if if you choose well there. But, but yeah. two, and this is maybe from like my own learnings, is you'd got me onto like documenting and the process, blah, blah, blah. But I think you need to give yourself, like allow yourself leeway to not nail it on the first iteration. Oh, yeah. Because I think like perfect is the enemy of, good and you just got to get it out there and start and just know that you will iterate on it yeah for sure uh and then finally diego franco asks what what be the best criteria the best websites and the best affordable price in 2018 to hire some freelance writers Mm. i Mm. i almost don't know if i want to touch that one (laughs) uh so I will say that here, uh, here's, what, here's how I'm going to answer this question. Mm. I don't know what the word affordable means to you, at Diego. Mm. I don't know what that word means because uh, affordable to me may be different. And, and to frame it, like if you consistently publish articles that earn many thousands of dollars a month – and you could do it with insane consistency, then obviously the price you're willing to pay would be higher than if you were maybe making tens or hundreds, maybe in a month. You know, so I think it's a f- price is also a factor of what you could do with it. Yeah. I here's here's I'm going to I'm going to kind of twist this question around and I want to bring it back to SEO a little bit mm. and I want to bring it back to everything philosophy. goes back to SEO. Well, I want to bring it. To, I want also want to bring it to like my business philosophy, a little yeah, bit. yeah. Because I, I just don't think one criteria can't answer it. Best websites definitely can't answer it. Affordable price can't answer it. But I do want to talk about hiring writers mm. in general, and what I believe. What I believe, 
and and again, Andrew, I mean, I'm sure we're on the same page about this, but here's where I think the internet is going. Mm. And and I think all things are kind of going this way. There are a lot of people who um, have kind of processed out what we do. They've taken, they've built websites from scratch or have bought websites and been able to flip them. And you could look at them in Ahrefs. You can look at them. You can look at these websites and go, and you just mentioned one earlier, like, holy shit, they just like grew. Like, whole, how do they grow so quickly? Mm. You know, and we've been following people. There's a lot of people in our respective industries where, you know, the content that's been published on their website is aggressively being published. You're getting a lot of pieces published. They're getting a lot of backlinks. These are all things that you can process out and pay somebody overseas to do for you. And you can make money very, very quickly. And, and they often even, do. And they often do. And you can do this even like even back in like 2008 and, and before when Google was just still figuring out things and, and updating their algorithm, like it was even easier. Mm-hmm. And, and you could put out even more bullshit. But now things you kind of have to pay well for good writing uh, and you have to pay you can just you could still build backlinks the same old fashioned way. Uh, but I think you are playing a game that you're playing a game against AI and you are going to be crushed. And while you may make money now and a lot of it, which may be your goal and that's fine. That is not my goal. My goal is to build a sustainable business that I can retire at 75 years old and, and not have to rely on any other income besides my business. And I, again, this is a philosophy. I'm not saying that uh, this is wrong or right. I think that if you're building a business that way, that's fine. That is a business. You are mechanicalizing it. You are building a machine, and it is, it is, it is printing money for you, and that's great. I don't work that way. I I don't like that kind of work. I don't it doesn't want to make me get up in the morning and do anything. It makes me uh, building a machine is cool, but then you kind of are done with it, right? It's like once you build it and it runs, then what's next after that? What's the stress level that you, you need get to do from things it? that you're proud of? And I feel like a lot of these yeah. things are born out of like desperate needing of money. Yeah, and so or qui- just quickly, as quickly as humanly right. possible. Right, and then what happens is the problem is solved. Mm-hmm. So ah, relieved. Maybe not so proud of what you built, but I think like in hindsight, you never really understood the roller coaster of building the thing and how stressful mm-hmm. and difficult it is, even if you process it all out. And I couldn't imagine having to do that over and over and over for the rest of my life. I would, I would probably die young, shriveled, stressed. Like, like do yourself a favor and only go through the really, really hard step once and make something good. Well, here's the thing you mentioned earlier about you, a site that we had talked about before where you looked at them in Ahrefs and they tanked and then they bounced back and you saw that their backlink kind of, building uh was was correlated with that right mm-hmm. it's like oh what they so they they tanked and so they went out and got more backlinks and now they bounced back and and this has probably happened multiple times and you follow a lot of these people who make these kind of sites 
and I'm so do I. I'm obsessed with, yeah. Yeah, because it's, it's interesting. Um, that is a business. That's certainly a business. Those things happen. Um, I don't believe that I want, I don't want to build a business that way. When you look at Swim University over all the time that it's been on the internet, there's not a single moment in its history, really, that it has tanked. Mm. You know, I may have mentioned back in like 2006, 2007, when I was putting out shitty content myself, not through writers or anything, that I saw a, a tank. But then immediately after that, I had kind of like went, oh, okay, well, this is how it goes. And if you look at it from those dates all the way until today, and that's 10 years, uh, there's not a single moment of panic has mm. ever happened to me. There's not a single moment where I needed to publish content. I've taken years off of publishing anything and continue to see growth. I am seeing that right now with Brew Cabin. I have, we basically haven't created anything new in the last almost four to six months, and I have just continued to grow every month. And the reason for that, I think, is because I did not just hire somebody to put out the same old thing, even though if it feels right and it, and it looks good and all of those things can be true, but there is there is something called good content and there is mediocre content. And I think as a person on the internet who is doing this kind of work, you need to know what that is. Because if you don't figure that out, Google is going going to and and you are going to and you are going to be constantly you know upping your hiring rewriting articles and it's just going to be look great stressful. isn't it great isn't new you know the dictionary isn't rewritten every year the encyclopedia isn't rewritten every year and books like catch 22 uh you know or catch on the right could like stand the test of time because yeah. good is good and you know maybe the dictionary needs to be revised and updated as yep, does yep. the encyclopedia mm-hmm. or you know stories based on you know or, or biographies or whatever um and i think that you should approach it like that as it's like a work in progress and a living work and yeah. not just well this this machine's doing well putting 10 things out a month what if we can get it to get 100 things out a month right. because if you can't maintain quality it's all going to get away from you yeah 100% dude I, we don't really have to stress out on our websites because Mm. they just grow. And I think that's because we spend the money now to get, I mean, the stress, the time, yeah, that we put, uh, and we, and we're the the great filter that we don't let things get published on our sites. That isn't the best thing that could be published on that topic. Mm. And sometimes those things slip through the cracks for sure, you know, and we're not perfect, uh, so everything on our side, and I believe you will agree that like can be better and should be better. Uh, I am s- gonna step off the soapbox a little bit because, <laughs> but I, I because I think it's not answering the question. But I will say that if you're going to hi- hire freelance writers, pay for them, mm. pay well for them. Pay, you know, make sure that you when you when you find one, let them write something for you, and it better be amazing. And I mean this like when you when you screen for writers, it, you know, m- make sure that that is upfront. 
make sure you say like, look, I am looking for professional writers who care about what this topic, what we're going to teach in this topic. I care, I want you to care about the craft of writing. I want you to care that this article ranks number one on Google or gets mm-hmm. shared a billion times on Facebook or whatever. Put those expectations up front. Find great writers who need the work. And I think it's worth saying that every step of this like process that we've been talking about up and until an article that is published in your site from this person is a barrier that should weed out bad people. And for example, the documenting the hell out of your process and yeah. what is good and whatever. Uh, so we're bringing someone on and like they have to read that first. Mm-hmm. And then if then it's like if you still want to work with me after <laughs> right. digging through all that crap, then we can talk. And right. there will be some people who are like, wow, this is a pain in the ass. I could find easier money. And you don't want those people. Basically a manifesto, right? Like mm-hmm. it's it's a it's an editorial manifesto. Like this is what we believe in. This is what we think should be great content on the internet. And here's all the nitty-gritty here's how much we care about how important that is. And then if, obviously, cause it's this massive like uh, uh process of how we write and how we create things and what we consider good or, or bad. Uh, again, I think that's what I would, that's kind of how I would sum that up is like, if you're going to hire writers, you're going to hire anyone hire for longevity, hire, hire somebody with the same taste as you. That's what I'm. That's what I'm going to do in 2019. Mm. If I hire anyone, or I'm going to give more work and more responsibility and more trust to the people who already work for me. That's it. So those are the questions. There's eight of them. I want to thank Franklin, April, Jason, Brant, uh, Reinhardt, or Reinhardt. Michael and Diego for your questions. Thank you so much. I also want to thank Mac Ends who sent me in my middle name, Butt Soup, via email. <laughs> now they're getting. Now they're getting to it. Now they're yeah. Thank you, Mac. If you have any questions or topics you'd like us to talk about on this show, email me Matt at MoneyLab.co. And when you do email me, send me a new middle name suggestion. If you like this show. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Player FM, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you normally listen to podcasts. And when you do, wherever you do, leave a review. If you really like this show, tell your friends about it. Point them, physically point them to your favorite episodes so that they can get hooked and hopefully become a subscriber like you. So thank you so much, Andrew. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for answering questions. <coughs> we love five questions. Damn right. All right. Thanks for listening. That's it. Bye-bye. Please tell your friends about this show.